Welcome to Aquarian Diary, where we discuss issues around the emerging age of Aquarius. I'm your host, John Irving. Thank you for joining me. Greetings all, it is September 29th, 2022. This is just a quick episode because I want to draw to people's attention something that is going to arise as a result of Hurricane Ian striking Florida yesterday that I don't see discussed nearly enough. Now, that may be because the powers that be do not want to stoke fear or panic, but I have a very deep and strong feeling that this is very important. Let me explain. Atlantic Canada, where I am, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, Prince Edward Island, and PEI, a week ago, roughly, just had Hurricane Fiona come through. The initial estimates are that the cost of damages will be between 300 to $700 million Canadian. I suspect that's an underestimate because there's a lot of implications that aren't really being considered. Initially, of course, people focused on what people were experiencing, but what now has been emerging is the extent of the coastal damage that has occurred as a result of Hurricane Fiona. And there were some beaches, for example, in Prince Edward Island that had many meters of losses along the banks and dunes around beaches and other areas, and entire small communities were essentially effectively wiped out. There were people who lost their homes and other structures. And the reality is, is that most of those losses will not be insured. And that's because insurance companies do not cover things like storm surges. You can get insurance for that, but most people don't because it's extremely expensive. Now, Hurricane Ian, of course, struck a much more populated area. Initially, there were estimates that the storm surge could be as high as 16 feet, which is the height of a single-story dwelling. In fact, after the storm, some areas have reported an 18-foot storm surge there would be many buildings and dwellings that would literally be submerged. Salt water is very different from fresh water. Salt water is corrosive to metallic objects and things like pumps, mechanical devices, and things like that. Even a moderate level of saltwater intrusion is problematic, and it's also problematic for crops because, of course, saltwater will kill most plants. You also get saltwater intrusion into freshwater areas, which will damage freshwater aquatic systems. So I'm not talking just about the structural damage from high winds. I'm talking about the effect of saltwater intrusion in significant quantities into low-lying areas, soils, groundwater, and so on. Here's how this is going to play out. Insurance companies are not stupid generally. For example, there was a case in Newfoundland where a gentleman lost his house where he had lived for 15 years. It was not insured. So he lost the equity in his house, and the value of that property is 
obviously going to be dramatically reduced because who's going to want to buy a property where the buildings could get wiped out in a major storm? Now, these storms are increasing in intensity. They are generating much more quickly than they used to, and they are larger in scope than they used to be. And this is because ocean waters are fairly dramatically warming, and that is the primary source of these large-scale weather events. The oceans have been absorbing roughly 90% of the additional heat as a result of all of the carbon emissions and CO2 that we have been pumping into the planetary atmosphere. 90% of the heat going into the oceans. So these situations will occur more frequently and with greater intensity. Now, insurance companies are not stupid. If they make bad bets, they lose potentially billions of dollars. So they are either going to not insure people in many of these areas like Florida, Louisiana, Texas, the Carolinas, and so forth, or the rates will increase significantly to cover billions of dollars in losses that they could incur every year or every few years or whatever. So then you're going to have people who have homes in these areas and properties in these areas. And when a major event like this occurs, they're going to take a huge loss. Like they may lose the structures and the equity in them, and they may actually lose the value in the property itself. Now, there's a lot of people who are still in denial about this, and there are others who aren't. The ones who aren't are probably going to cut their losses and move to safer areas, areas that are less prone to these kinds of events, or that are on higher ground, etc. Also, apparently, many of the flood zone maps are often influenced by political concerns and not necessarily strictly adhering to scientific recommendations. That is a recipe for disaster. I believe that even if people build structures that are hurricane rated, and many ratings only go to like Hurricane 4, I think we're going to start to see Hurricane 5 level events and really even pushing the boundaries towards the uppermost extremes of potentially Hurricane 5, which practically it might not be practical to build structures that can withstand those kinds of extremes. So all along these low-lying coastal areas and these areas that are prone to really serious storm events, we could see hundreds of billions, if not even eventually trillions of dollars of losses in the real estate market. So these people are going to take huge losses financially, plus they're going to have to relocate to other areas. Now you've got places like California and the southwest in the U.S. that is struggling with fires and drought, a drought that is at least as bad as anything seen in 1,200 years. And then you've got other areas that are experiencing extreme heat. And so if you start thinking this through, you realize that, well, where are these people going to go? You know, you need fresh water. You need a reliable grid. You need good governance. You need infrastructure that can withstand extreme environmental conditions. Tornadoes are also going to increase in frequency. It's likely that people are going to want to move further north to get away from these kinds of conditions. Now, every place is going to suffer increasing extremes of weather events. It's just that some are going to suffer potentially less than others. 
Now, the government may step in in some of these situations to help, but eventually the government is going to say, we can't keep doing this or we're going to go broke. Like, we can't just keep throwing good money after bad. Say somebody rebuilds a structure or property or house somewhere, and then it gets hit three years later, and it's a complete loss again. I mean, how many times are insurance companies or governments willing to do that? Some insurance companies could be bankrupted, and that's already happened. If the federal government kicks in support, but has to do so repeatedly, in effect, you would have people in other parts of the country subsidizing these ongoing disasters. Well, eventually, people in other parts of the country are going to start to get pissed off because they'll be like, well, why do we keep bailing these people out? And this just happens over and over and over again. So it becomes a tricky political issue on many different levels as well. It starts to get very tricky because people are going to be extremely upset if they lose, you know, a property that's worth $700,000 or whatever. And a lot of these people down south, like in Florida, are retired. So they're not still generating income. They're living off their savings or pensions or whatever it is. You start to think this through and it starts to get really tricky and really messy very quickly. Ultimately, as I've said before, southern Florida being only a meter above sea level rise on average is a complete loss because sea level rise itself, even three feet of sea level rise, is going to render that area uninhabitable. You can build coastal defenses to a point it's extremely expensive, but you can't keep out 16-foot storm surges on top of sea level rise. It's just not practical. It's way cheaper to just write it off and move elsewhere. Now, this transition from where we are to getting to that point where people broadly accept that we just have to write off these areas, that transition could take 10 years. I don't know how long it's going to take. But the smart people are going to be leaving first. The people who aren't in denial about this and the people who have thought this through more carefully are going to be the first ones to leave. So these kinds of events have much more significant and serious implications than most people are thinking about. And again, we don't see this issue of how long can we keep defending these vulnerable properties? How long can we afford to do that? You don't see that issue discussed very often. And it may be, like I said, because the implications of writing off hundreds of billions, if not even trillions of dollars of real estate assets, even a 1% or 2% decline in GDP can tip the world into a recession. Well, taking trillions of dollars of real estate assets out of the market is magnitudes more significant than that. Again, the question is going to be how long does it take for all of this to play out? I believe it's probably going to become quite evident within the next 10 years that this is an extremely serious problem. And also islands, small island nations, are extremely vulnerable to these kinds of events. I mean, how many times can Puerto Rico get completely flattened? The implications are stunning and almost apocalyptic for certain areas. And there's not a damn thing we can do about it. Even if we cease all emissions today, 100%, there's inertia in the climate that'll keep worsening for years. The oceans take an extremely long time to warm up. They're massive bodies of water, and it takes an incredible amount of energy to increase 
the temperature of the oceans by a degree over decades. Now, I'm not really talking about actual wind speed damage, which has huge amounts of implications. There's impacts on wildlife and habitat. If there's a significant amount of saltwater intrusion into the water table in Florida, they will have no access to potable or drinkable water or water that you can use for gardening or growing citrus trees or fruit. There are a lot of hazardous chemicals and waste on land that can be disturbed by flooding. It goes on and on and on. So these kinds of events are much more serious and significant than most people realize. Most people, of course, are focused on the immediate drama, but the implications are actually far more significant than that alone. I should point out that in my last episode, I made an error around the 6.30 mark. I used the word Celsius instead of Fahrenheit. I posted about that on my community tab, and I added a comment to the description to that effect. I'm flipping around between Celsius and Fahrenheit all the time. It's an easy thing to do. It doesn't much affect the implications of the point I was trying to make at the time, but I do want to make that correction. I was publicly stating that we needed to declare a global state of emergency about the climate issue over 10 years ago. So if you live in one of these areas and you're in a position to think about relocating, the sooner you do that, the better. Because once large numbers of people start to think like this, the values of properties in areas that are more safe are going to go up and the values of properties in areas that aren't are going to go down and it could be fairly dramatic. The government will probably bail people out, but like I said, how long can they do that? That's the question you need to ask yourself. I don't want people to panic, but I can't sit on this kind of knowledge without sharing it. It would not be ethical. I just have a very strong feeling that these extreme weather events we've been experiencing in the past few months, and especially with Hurricane Ian, represents some kind of turning point or shift that is very significant. That's an intuitive impression, I just know. Take care. Thanks for everything. Thanks for commenting. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon.